Hello and welcome. I am Piers Ridyard, CEO of RDX Works, a core developer of the decentralized finance protocol Radix, a public ledger entirely focused on bringing DeFi into the mainstream. This is our podcast, The DeFi Download, a show about decentralized finance and all things crypto, where we dive into the details of the projects, assets and services that are powering the DeFi revolution. Today, I have Bruno, founder of Remark. Remark is a set of smart contract standards that allow NFTs 2.0s to exist, allowing the industry to elevate NFTs past just monkey pictures. Bruno, great to have you on board. Great to be here. Thank you very much. So just let's just start with how did Remark come about? Like what 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 was the what was the origin story of Remark? Uh, well, I was working with the Web3 Foundation on the Kusama network at the time, and I uh, that was that was um, 2020. Um, I felt the NFT craze ramping up again. That was when the new when you know the NFT wave yeah. two was was ramping up, um, and Kusama was always kind of this crazy chain, uh, experimental chain, like an experiment, incentivized testnet, basically. Um, well, at least it started that way, like a canary network. And I felt like it would be a shame if uh, folk, uh, a chain that that got its name from an artist um, and that is focused on chaos didn't have NFTs. Uh, right. At the same time, I was really frustrated with what NFTs were. So basically just pictures and static media um, and wanted to, to, to try and do more with them. So these forces kind of combined and that Kusama didn't really have any incumbents. And so I was free to develop and ideate on something completely new without having right. to struggle with the you know flow of the existing marketplaces or whatever. Right. And uh, yeah, so I just uh, came up with a way to put NFTs onto a chain that doesn't really have smart contracts. Um, that was quite hacky, and, uh, yeah. but it was fun. It was kind of very, uh, like really very kind of hacker culture stuff uh, that I yep. really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, eventually it turned out that people were really interested in that. And um, I just then... Then kind of onboarded some more people. We formed a team, and uh, yeah, fast forward two and a half years later, we're a team of twenty-five people. So you went from you went from being like, how can I hack NFTs into a onto a into a experimental piece of layer one technology that doesn't currently have any smart contracts at all, to building sort of a new set of standards that sort of cross-platform. I mean, you guys have just had or recently had your um, Ethereum EIPs approved. You have a bunch of those, uh, 5773, 6059, 6220, 6381, 6454, all approved in the Ethereum ecosystem. So, like, how did you go from, like, layer one hacking around, like, just trying to make NFTs work to building a bunch of, like, really robust standards for a new concept of nfts what was that journey yeah that was a uh, that was kind of hard um the the first thing that i built originally on kusama and it's actually a layer zero chain that's why it doesn't have smart contracts because it, it's designed to make other chains communicate with each other so it was never meant to have right. logic but i kind of forced it onto it because there was no other way to deploy 
logic in, in the Polkadot ecosystem. So I had to kind of force it. Um, and uh, so then, like, when that started happening, so I figured, like, okay, what, what else can we do with this? And we decided to uh, launch this collection where you can emote on NFT eggs and influence what hatches from them. And people... I remember this. I remember this. The There was the What's in the Egg uh, campaign from... Uh, is it KBL or...? Um, no, I think that was another project because okay. uh, right around that time, a lot of people started playing with this um, egg NFT idea for some reason. I don't know right. where, why that took off. I think it was because it's around Easter. Um, and so what we did was actually you would emote on your or anybody else's egg and that would influence what would hatch from it. So that was the first bit of what does emote mean through in there. So literally drop emotes like you would in a chat message or something, uh, you know, thumbs up, fire right. extinguisher, eggplant emoji, whatever you want, um, onto people's NFT eggs. And okay. if you, if you dropped a lot of fire emojis, for example, on a, so you could only do it once per account. So if you drop a fire emoji and then click fire emoji again, you just un, unfired it. So you okay. had to, there was a social mechanic where you had to talk people into giving you their emojis if you wanted to skew an egg in a certain direction. So right. if, you, if an egg would get a lot of fires from a lot of different people, there's a high chance that the bird would be made of fire when it hatches. If it was given a lot of tennis rackets, there's a high chance that it would actually hold a tennis racket in its hand as a secondary NFT. And so right. that's where the secondary NFT and the equipables nature of it came from, where we actually came up with a way for NFTs to own other NFTs and to make those held NFTs actually completely independent NFTs. They just happen to be also equipable into another one. And so as we right. were thinking about this more and more, we kind of standardized this entire framework into a set of open right. standards that anybody could reuse. And so a bunch of games started launching on this and reusing this concept and just implementing it into their own stuff. And so, you know, like half a year into this, we started building the EVM um, compatible standards for this so that Solidity developers could also use this. Up until then, it was all just based on hacks. Uh, essentially, stuff like colored coins from back in the day that, that Bitcoin would right. use to put NFTs onto the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, this is the approach that we originally took, but then eventually we evolved it so that we now have different uh, versions of the remark standard of the NFT 2.0 standard for different ecosystems. One of those is the recently uh, published EVM standards in five Got different it. EIPs. Yeah. Got it. I think one of the most fun things, like one of the great greatest things that um, uh, is, 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 is wonderful when you're building something is when you actually have a use case and you're building technology for it, you, you sort of end up unpeeling these layers of like, what I would say, you you get more specific in what you want to implement, but you also get a better idea of what the abstract version of that is, right? So you sort of like, I need to build these things, these set of things for this thing, but now I see that if I have these like Lego pieces, then these Lego pieces together can create a much more robust set of standards for which I can create something. And I think that, you know, the, the, that's clear what's happened with uh, remark as well because you went from going i wanted to build a game uh that had this concept of equipables to something much more abstract so um maybe let's let's talk about the idea of nfts owning nfts or nested nfts plus equipables like why why are these two concepts so powerful and what can you do with them once you have these two concepts uh, so the the really really obvious use case is gaming where you can just put 
equipment into characters and repl replicate the typical RPG mechanics or whatever you want from right. traditional games. So that's that's the obvious one. Uh, but then you can you can also kind of really expand this into uh, putting entire game logic on chain because if you have like a game avatar in an RPG game, and like uh, in in the olden days of you know Baldur's Gate and other similar D and D type uh, RPGs that that we used to play, you had this concept of, for example, a wizard that has to learn spells before sleeping and then sleep on them to to use them the next day, and this was all right. managed in the database of the of the game, but. With this stuff, you can actually put this character progression system on chain. So, for example, an avatar can actually have an NFT inside of it that is his brain. And that brain itself can have slots for different skills or spells into which you can equip them. And so as the avatar levels up, the brain actually can actually can change and, and become uh, capable of hosting three skills instead of two, or four skills instead of three, and so on. And so it's all NFTs all the way down to the bottom. So it's like an avatar is an NFT, the brain is an NFT, the skill is an NFT, and maybe a skills attribute or, a, or, an, or an, like an effect change is also an NFT that you can find, right. equip or train or learn, and so on. Right. And all of these can be transferable or non-transferable. So the brain is obviously a non-transferable NFT inside another NFT. Um, Whereas a piece of armor will be a transferable NFT inside another NFT, so this is the obvious use case. But then you have like a ton of different uh, things that become possible when you abstract this enough, and when you make it generic enough and unopinionated enough, where you can have, um, you know, a, a a film, a movie can be an NFT, and it can have a slot for subtitles, and you can equip different languages of subtitles so that it becomes active, and so all the content is contained inside of that one NFT. Um, it can also have a slot for the audio track, so you can just swap out the audio track and you get a new audio uh, for the entire movie. You know, um, that that's like the power of this multi multimedia standard that we have is that you can have any type of NFT inside any other type of NFT, and mm -hmm. once you augment that with the ability to even have fungible tokens inside of non fungible tokens, it kind of really opens the door to some fun experimentation with data structures that we've been used to in, in centralized databases and servers that are now no longer necessary because of this. Could you give a couple of examples of that? Yeah, so like you can imagine a housed mortgage being an NFT that in itself contains a photo album of the last reconstruction project that in itself contains the PDF of the energy certificate of the house that also references another NFT that is actually the mortgage of the past owner. And so you have the full record in one NFT, not scattered about on, on you know, a thousand different wallets or servers. You have it all on chain. It's all there. Now, this enables you to actually literally take a loan against your house on chain in a matter of seconds versus having to go through mountains of paperwork and stuff. Now, naturally, this does depend on a country actually recognizing blockchain as a legitimate you know, data source, which again mm -hmm. means that in most corners of the world, um, thousands of people would get fired who are just essentially paper pushers and stamp hitters right now. But right. Uh, this, this requires a massive shift in, in mindset, which I think is coming anyway with the advent of AI and the obsolescence of many jobs. So I think a lot of countries are actually going to have to start thinking in this direction. Another use case is um, you can have different... So th this is like a really... 
real-world bound use case where it's connecting with the real world. But also you can have things like permissions and reputation inside of different NFTs. So you can have your avatar, like we call it reputational avatars. You can have your kind of main NFT that then collects reputation based on what you do on-chain or off-chain in some applications. So, for example, uh, on forums, which I hope are going to make a resurgence, you have it looks like, like they might yeah so you have like um, an account that has certain permissions to moderate certain subgroups and categories and maybe right. your permissions will alter based on your performance in those categories so if your replies constantly right. get upvoted or if you're very active you might get a permission to occasionally uh, flag or moderate some group or category and so this is all yeah. also reflectable inside of those things so yeah but why would you do this if you have a database well because now right. you can take that reputation and that permission set into any other application. I can literally check what you've been doing, how active you've been, and how valuable of a community member you are to give you automatically these permissions somewhere else in my community, which is incredibly right. powerful in terms of taking your time and your time investment with you somewhere else where it's also usable or even monetizable. Right. I think I think it's a really, there's going to that sort of opens up some really interesting questions around how far down the uh database stack do you end up making things nfts versus how how much of it you do just host on a server for a particular service um do you have a do you have a view on when it starts getting a bit like should i be able to also should i have my chat history as nfts or is that probably too far down the stack that's probably too far down the stack i mean uh, i guess it depends on what that chat history is about if you have congress members chatting about uh, them selling stocks based on alpha they got, uh, then this would be good to have as an NFT so that you can prosecute them later. Um, But if you have (laughs) something like a private chat uh, history, I don't think that ever has to be, you know, forever logged anywhere. And if you really do need to have proof that a chat happened, you can always just hash that chat history and save that hash um, in your NFT with another NFT and then just use it for verification purposes rather than reproduction. So do you see sort of front ends getting lighter, essentially, front ends becoming much thinner as a result of this kind of uh, way in which you can create identity and reputation as an on-ledger object? Um, I certainly hope so. Uh, I've been incredibly disappointed with web development in general in the last 10 years, how it's trade from just generally being able to write a website in Notepad on your desktop to yep. needing a full chain of 75 transpilers and compilers and uh, you know 12 hours a day of waiting for Vercel to compile on AWS, where you have basically 20 single points of failure in between your app and your user, um, yep. which is completely antithetical to Web3 and just generally being able to run your own stuff uh, in any way. So I do hope that this encourages people to build uh, UIs that can be simply, you know, Command S saved to your desktop and used as is, like we used to be. Um, you know, 20 years ago, and I'm probably aging, you know, showing my age here, but 20 years ago, whatever site you visited online, you could visit it offline by just going into your temp folder of your browser, and it's there, it's right. saved, it's cached. Right. You could just use it. Um, I I hope that this comes back. I hope that we can again just save websites on our desktop and just double click them, and they work because they're reading straight from the blockchain. And if I'm running my own blockchain node at home, which is far easier than people make it out to be, um, 
that website should just be able to connect to it. And I should have access to a decentralized Web3 at home versus relying on a dozen middlemen to allow me this access. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot here. I think let's just sort of bring it back to simple web three topics for now um, one of the ones that i think is is fascinating is you sort of said well if nfts can own nfts and fungible tokens then you're kind of talking about a wallet right that, that sounds like a like a wallet so how, what is the difference between the standards that you're creating for being able to nfts being able to own nfts and fungible tokens and just the concept of a, a wallet uh, essentially, nothing really. Um, in a way, these NFTs can be treated as account abstraction, which is all the rage right now. Yep. So yep. you could technically, there is this EIP that just defines the functions that a smart wallet should have, like a smart contract-based wallet should have. If you just add those functions to an NFT 2.0 standard like ours, that's it. You ju- you have you have a wallet that is also an NFT. Now you should probably mm-hmm. lock that NFT into that wallet so that you know you can't really transfer it around. Um, but there are methods around this semi-transferability as well. So there's things to do here that um, that really solve all the account recovery problems and so on. But in general, NFTs 2.0 make for an amazing, amazing wallet. Uh, in part because they can collect this reputation, which is both visual and utilitarian. So you get right. your, your swag, basically, and you can show people how active you've been. You know, maybe you've yeah. LP'd 100K for six months in a row in Yearn, and so now you got a cool Yearn hat for your avatar. So now you can equip that, and that's swag, and you can have that as your PFP, so that's cool. But more than that, you have the reputational token that goes along with it that is frozen to your wallet, and now Yearn might give you beta access to their new UI once it's ready, just because right. you have the reputation of being their power user, you know. Um, right. And this is all in your wallet, which is basically your NFT, your avatar. So you, essentially, whatever you do on-chain or off-chain stays with you. You're, you own your experience. You take it with you always. Yeah, there's a real com- there's a real converging of three things here. Actually, I always thought that there was going to be a converging of two things, but you're actually starting to make me think there might be a converging of three things. So the two things I always said would converge was uh, social media and finance. Like uh, I, I call it social finance, but like it's you know like but but like for, to me it feels obvious in the world that we have today, where what we're seeing happening in Web three communities and DeFi communities is the overlapping of social uh, of of com- of co- the concept of community and the concept of investment or the concept of of, of financial products. Um, it seems like for what you're talking about, there's also the overlap of gaming and that people have always talked about gamification of things, but you're sort of taking this to a new level. You're taking this concept of reputation and um, participation, but like to make these things desirable, you know, to make the hat from Yearn desirable, Yearn's got to actually think about game mechanics as well. They can't just be like, oh, we'll, we'll make a hat. Like, the hats don't become desirable on their own by themselves just because they're rare. They become desirable because of the way in which people have associate fun and status with a thing. And that game dynamic is actually really hard to build. Do you think that you're going to start, we're going to start to see sort of game game skill sets starting to come into DeFi as well and people start to build these things around around this? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so I may be approaching this whole thing from my own personal angle a bit too much. We'll see. Because uh, I'm a gamification nut. Um, if you put me in any kind of game and give me a lot of question marks to collect on the map, I'm not going to rest until I have all of them. Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm a little bit of a psycho in terms of gamification and, and completionist there. Um, right. But... I think that people really resonate with this because we've seen this in action. So in the Kusama blockchain, which is basically the world's biggest DAO, um, and it also has auto-enforceable votes where whatever people vote in, that's what actually happens on chain. It's not like you know snapshot voting where the developers still get to decide sure. like, nah, we're not going to do that, or yes, we are. Uh, sure. with, with Kusama, what actually what people vote in, that's what happens, whether it's a treasury distribution, an actual runtime change or upgrade or forkless upgrade or you know, a variable change in the chain, whatever you want, that's what happens at a certain block. There's no way around it. And um, so there, as with any DAO, we had extremely low participation. Like, just, yep. yeah, low across the board. Um, yep. When we added, uh, this, there was this experiment, Proof of Chaos, which essentially created NFTs that people would get uh, for voting on proposals. And... Mm-hmm you could equip those onto your trophy shelf. So there was an NFT that was a trophy shelf, and you get these NFTs that you can put onto the trophy shelf. Okay. Uh, participation doubled just by that alone. And so this is it's important to know that, as with any DAO right now, uh, they're all governed by whales. You know, And so, of course, anybody who's not a whale is directly disincentivized from participating because the UX right. friction is high enough. And so then right. you, you come in with your three tokens against 30 billion tokens from a whale, and of course you're not going to bother voting because it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But just by adding gamification, we already doubled that. So now if we further augment that by removing token weights from the equation and actually replacing it with accountability or reputation, we actually have a, a hope of saving DAOs. Because if everybody, even the whales, start at zero reputation and everybody has to participate to improve their voting weight by just literally collecting the, the, the reputation of having voted, um, then over time, even the smallest token holder can become much more powerful than the whale who just sits around and waits for their tokens to appreciate or keeps collecting interest and therefore more token weight, more right. voting weight, right? So right. we've seen this gamification work. And I think it's not that hard to kick it off. Um, maybe there is some balancing issues to work out. And if you're building a game that's much more important than if you have a protocol like Yearn that can deliver a cool hat. But I think it's actually very easy um, to get these prestigious... Because like, it's not, not, not really uh, easy to mess this up. Like If Yearn gives that hat out too freely, then nobody's going to want it. But if they give it to a select subset of users who only did one specific thing, they're just going to encourage those users to do that specific thing. We saw it with the shadowy supercoder NFTs that everybody wanted when they launched those. Um, so it was just an NFT to indicate that you've been there from the beginning, that you've done something in the in the ecosystem. And they've, right. they've never uh, amounted to any value. They've never given people any airdrops. They've never actually, you know, giving you access to any sort of alpha channels or whatever, but people still wanted them just as a badge of proof that they were there at the beginning. So now if you 
further augment that with gamification and swag and everything else and cross-collection tradability so that my yearn hat is now equipable on this avatar and on this avatar, which is default in NFTs 2.0, you kind of trigger this global item economy and this frenzy of, uh, you know, just that one hat doesn't have to be... Um, so let's say that there's there's 50,000 users and you issue 100 hats. So yeah. the rarity of those hats is 150,000. But if there's a new collection of avatars that is made also compatible with those hats, which again comes default with NFTs 2.0, then the rarity of the hat is 100, 100 in 100,000. And so now the rarity right. of the hat has become even greater. Um, right. And so you trigger this frenzy of a global item economy where people want everything from everyone. And I think this is the key to gamifying and incentivizing users to actually come in and join the Web3 movement. So uh, there, there is, um, there's sort of two levels to this. There's, there's the technical level, like this works from a code point of view, but like an NFT from a code point of view is, is not a very complicated thing um versus the nft from an art point of view and when i say complicated i don't mean i don't mean that it's not complicated to code i mean that making the making two bits of code work together as code is different from making two bits of art work together as art so if i have a hat and then i have one set of art and then another set of art like then if i want to make my my new collection compatible with equipables does that not start to go into some very large numbers of generative arts that i have to do then i'm starting to get like some really big numbers there um doesn't doesn't have to be it depends on where you scale and how um with with this tech that we have you just upload a new asset to the same nft there's no airdrops there's no wallet spam there's nothing really if you want to make your hat compatible with another collection you just make uh, the 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 same NFT in the art style of that new collection and add that art style to the existing NFT and that's it. That's all you have to do. It'll automatically become compatible and equipable okay. into all the other stuff. That's fairly easy to do. Code-wise, um, in terms of an enabling something with that hat, um, I would like to make a very clear distinction between reputational and uh, equipable avatars, equipable uh, NFTs, yeah. because... Um, if you do something special for Yearn, they will give you the reputation. But I think uh, it, the the reputational NFT that you get itself should not be the equipable one, because you want to encourage a global item economy by allowing tradeability. But you don't want to trade that reputation. So if you yep. do something for Yearn, you should get two NFTs: one that is reputational, aka non-transferable inside of your NFT. That can be a badge, a, a chest medal, or whatever else that you cannot move. And yep. the other one should be the yearn hat, for example. So yep. what this achieves is it keeps the reputation with you so it's easy to integrate code-wise into other protocols. A protocol will just check, does he have this badge or no? That's it. Um, at the same time, it's going to make that hat tradable on the open market where somebody who's not familiar with it will ask you, whoa, where did you get that hat? And you get to say, I got it from yearn by doing this and this. And now you have this... Uh, cross-pollination of user bases and player bases where people find out about something cool elsewhere and then, huh, I'll go check that out. So now you have a massive uh, sea, a massive tide that rises all the boats because everybody's working together on the same global item economy. It's no longer a zero-sum game where everybody's competing as yeah. soon as they launch something new. Yeah. I mean, like, Bruno, you're, you're basically talking about 
a generation, you know, so my generation, your generation, generation after us, generations after us, who have grown up with digital gaming and have grown up with mission, the concept of missions and things that we have to go out and do, and 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 then turning that loose on the DAO economy, um, which I think is is fascinating. What's going to come out of that? Um, what like from a from a you know going from the theoretical to the practical where are you seeing the main where are you seeing the main uptake of the remark standard like who who who's really like understanding it and running with it well at the moment right now game developers uh, there's yep. a lot of games being made with this um and already working on cross collection compatibility so taking items from one game or one metaverse to another and just having them be compatible this is, I think, my fault because I've been using games as an example for this for a very long time. But as soon as I started talking about other stuff, people started you know, realizing that, huh, maybe this other stuff also makes sense. So I'm trying to really aggressively push these reputational avatars now so that people start right. healing the DAO um, infrastructure with reputation. Hopefully that's, right. that's going to take off as well. Um, I mean, it worked in Web 2. I don't see why it wouldn't work in Web 3, right? That's how Reddit runs. That's how many of these massive communities run. They run on reputation and people care about their reputation almost more than anything else, right? Like their reputation in those spaces. And that's what makes them good places to be and, and largely work well. Exactly. Yeah, Reddit is an, is an, is an excellent example. Like the, the karma that some people have attained technically doesn't mean anything to them in a, in a very literal sense, but it would hurt their soul if they lost it because they, right. it's their time invested in that account. And right. Reddit might give them, give them some perks, some moderation perks or whatever uh, right. for that, but they are isolated in that one little corner. Whereas right. if you have that reputation as something you can take with you into other protocols, into other systems, granted, this puts Reddit as a, at a disadvantage in terms of you know, maybe potentially losing active users to something else that incentivizes that reputation more. But in on a, on a grander scale, if they open up their mind and think about it in a more, um, you know, we all win uh, kind of mindset, you can actually augment that really nicely, especially with their Reddit avatar project with the, with the little, you know, aliens that you can compose with different parts and so on. This is you know, tailor-made for this system. They should like, they should wholeheartedly adopt this because now they have these reputational avatar, these little avatars that can have reputation in them based on the accounts that that users have on Reddit, and have tradable swag between these little avatars that they can now take elsewhere. So um, this is just upgrading the game for everybody. I feel. Yeah, it's yeah, fascinating. So outside of Remark, you're also building a marketplace, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we have to have a place on which to demonstrate this NFT 2.0 stuff. So we've built Singular, uh, which is singular.app. Uh, that's our marketplace where you can trade these and mint these NFTs. Um, it's almost ready to launch on EVM. So we're going to be supporting a bunch of EVM chains out of the door. Uh, right now, it's still using the hacky method on, on Kusama. So um, this is going to migrate to to you know like legacy soon and then we're going to be focusing on the singular evm experience to spread across many chains um and this is just literally to to show people what you can do uh with these nft 2.0 things it's not meant to be of, like for example if you're building a platform on which you have empty music sheets with slots for back vocals vocals uh, you know lead guitar bass guitar drums whatever 
Um, and then you can mint these different subtracks and equip them into the slots, into this one music NFT. And then every time the music NFT is sold, royalty is distributed evenly to everybody who contributed one of those tracks. And then maybe you want to make that track um, equipable into your avatar later on so that what it, whenever your avatar is on screen, the background music plays from that composable track. You got entry music. <laughs> exactly. All of, that, all of that is possible. But that's probably not what you want to try and do on Singular. So Singular is just this generic marketplace for this stuff. But the very app-specific right. functionality that you want to do uh, that, that makes it UX-friendly, you probably want to have a custom UI for. So Singular is very much like uh, the OpenSea of NFTs 2.0, um, yep. whereas we expect people to build really cool stuff as they experiment more with the standard and start building with it. Because really, just the imagination is your, your limit here. Um, any data structure that people are used to from the old world is now possible in the new world. And it's standardized so well that it's just going to show up on the singular marketplace. So, you know, whatever you want to do. If you want to put uh, financial instruments into NFTs and just gamble on them while they, I don't know, um, a, 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 a potion flask fills up as your, as your futures mature or whatever, versus composable music tracks and metaverse lands that can contain houses and avatars, all of that is just based on the same standard, which is going to appear on Singular and render properly. So we just want mm -hmm. people to really go wild and experiment. And, and what will, what will make, like, what do you, how do you measure success for, for, for Singular is, is success for Singular, many marketplaces for the, remark standard springing up or is it singular becoming the place that everyone goes and trades these things well I, <laughs> um ideally for remark as the company uh, success would be many people come to singular to trade because that's our only source of income but uh, i personally as an idealist of this technology would like to see as many adoptions of this as possible i would uh, be very happy to see you know opensea upgrade to nfts 2.0 i would be very happy yeah. to see this technology adopted across many different aspects I, i'm very happy to see games that are building on the standard develop their own in-game marketplace, which completely bypasses Singular and, and you know, basically takes away our commission chunks from for this equipment and gear and whatever you craft in there and so on. But I'm happy to see them uh, use this because I know th this shows me that it works. This shows me that mm -hmm. it, it makes sense to them. And so the more people use this, the more uh, the more I like this technological spread. I, my goal is has always been to just overwrite the simple monkey JPEGs with something smarter, something better. Um, the company's goal is, of course, to try and survive and make money. But yeah, I like to see it being spread out as much as possible. Yeah, it's really interesting. The like, it's it's surprisingly difficult to get the world to adopt an idea, even if it's a really really good one. It is. Um, so, like, uh, it, it, what do you see as being over the next year? What do you see as being the like the biggest challenge for you guys? What's the biggest hurdle to get over now that you've got the standards done? Mm -hmm. Awesome. What's next? Um, well, now we need to push out the marketplace with support for those standards and then just build tooling around it. So the more custom use cases and fun stuff that we support, launch, demonstrate, the more successful we'll be. So that's our, our focus next. But in terms of challenge, um, I would say we've never been much of um, 
of a marketing engine. We've never had uh, really the or, or the money even to throw at marketing, to to throw at these publications, to publish these PRs and coin desks and everything. And so we've kind of struggled with that a lot. And this is the this, this kind of falls into the idea of it being very difficult to let people know about a new good idea and get them to adopt it. Uh, this marketing is something that I'm kind of fundamentally opposed to. It, it kind of triggers uh, some sort of gag reflex in me when I th hear blockchain marketing. Um, but I'm seeing that it's, that it's unfortunately, sadly necessary um, yep. to just force it down people's throats and, and you know, breed familiarity through exposure. Um, so we'll, we'll have to work on that actively. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, it, it's the, the, I think the, the biggest lie in tech is often like build a better mousetrap and they'll be to pass to your door. It's like, it's not true at all. Like it isn't, it isn't just about building a better mousetrap. It's being able to create a narrative around that mousetrap for the world that captures the popular imagination. I think NFT 2.0 is a great, is a great naming like that, that, instantly has got like a snappy idea to it oh it's better it's like nfts but better what does that mean uh and nfts are clearly going through their sort of like trough of dis disillusionment at the moment which in many ways is the best time to introduce a new idea because you have the least noise and the people who are most committed to sort of making sure that that that's successful uh in the future because they, they if they're still here they believe in it right all of the people who who like bought as you say monkey pictures and then like when the bottom fell out they went well fuck this and, and left they're the ones that are the least helpful for the next phase um but it's, it's really fascinating uh remark and 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 singular and all of the work that you and the team has done that's it's it's super impressive um and you know as we've discussed before i'd, I'd love to get uh, Radix compatible with the NFT 2.0 standards as well. I think that, that that's going to be um, a really interesting piece of work. It's something that we've looked at, um, uh, you know, ever since I, we spoke in Croatia, was this, was uh, how do we, how can we make um, nestable NFTs uh, possible as well as just a, a single NFT standard? And I think you guys have done incredible work around that. So uh, yeah, huge congratulations. And I hope this year is a big one for you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, if, uh, you know, if the Radix team needs any help integrating with this and just making it compatible, we're, we're open to any collaborations. Uh, we just want to see it on, on as many environments as possible. Awesome. Bruno, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been wonderful talking with you. And uh, if people want to get involved, do you want them to go to Remark? That's rmrk.app. Or do you want people to go to Singular uh, um, first? Yeah, so rmrk.app is fine as a landing point. You have the links in the header there. Um, just, yeah, follow those. Singular.app if you want to experiment with NFTs 2.0 and uh, follow our journey. We are really close to launching the EVM uh, compatible marketplace, so that's going to be super fun. And uh, yeah, if you want to join us on this journey, please do. Awesome. Thank you very much, Brunette. Thank you. I'm going radical, I'm going radix, I'm going radical, I'm going radix. I just be D5, never on a decline, building the future, I feel like a savage.